The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney, joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, one week into the season, 116th has gone. The Chiefs are 1-0. How are you feeling? Uh, I think it's actually one nineteenth. Let's be clear mm-hmm. about that. Look at that. Just that make sure that we be consistent in our approach. Like a true lifelong member of Arrowhead Pride, right there. That that's what I want to hear. It is a good start. It's as good of a start as you could possibly have. Not a ton of injuries. The Chiefs really were able to get a convincing win, thirty-four to twenty on Thursday Night Football. You get the extended break, which is always an advantage for Andy Reid. People forget that. I think sometimes when you get this mini bye week, that's another three or four days for Andy Reid to game plan against your sorry team. And I think we're going to see that against the Los Angeles Chargers <laughs> coming up on this show. We've had a couple of days to soak up the game like a sponge. So John and I will share our takeaways from Chiefs and Texans now, what, four or five days after, whatever it is. We have some injury updates for you guys. We will also talk about the opening betting line of this game. Andy Reid spoke on Monday. If you listen to every podcast on this channel, you listen to the full press conference on From the Podium that I posted uh, late last night. But we will go through the main takeaways that I had from Andy Reid. We'll talk a little bit about masks and then we'll preview the rest of the week. It's a good show. It's the Arrowhead Pride editor show. It's Tuesday, September 15th. So let's get back into Chiefs and Texans now that we had this game marinate a little bit. John, I'll let you start here. What was your first main takeaway from this game? Tommy Townsend. Interesting. I did not know you were going to go into the direction of the punter. Takeaway of the first game of the season. Well, we've talked about all the rest of it. I mean, you know, we've all been talking about it for several days. We know Clyde Edwards-Alaire is fantastic, you know. But uh, your question to me this morning on the podcast is what has been marinating in your mind? Mm -hmm. And and to me, it's Tommy Townsend. You know, we give up a a punter we've had for 15 years, and we've kind of taken him for granted. And we're bringing in this young kid. Uh, an undrafted free agent, although he might have been drafted, but it turns out he wasn't. And um, and his first kick uh, in an NFL uniform is perfect. Mm. He was on his own 44-yard line, dropped it on the one-yard line. It bounced straight up. 
giving the the uh, gunners an opportunity to to keep it down and put it down inside the five. In that particular case, they didn't. Antonio Hamilton beat his man down the sidelines, but then got pushed to the sidelines uh, after the ball hit the ground and wasn't able to make a play on the ball. But what Tommy Townsend did was perfect. You really can't ask for more than that uh, on his first kick. He had another one that was down inside the five. Um, really very impressive in performance from the young man. Yeah, and I, probably burying the lead, his hair was flowing in the wind. He just looks <laughs> like a football player. It's Tim Riggins back there as the punter for this Kansas City Chiefs team. It is. It is a thankless position. It's one of those positions in the league where you really, I think, notice when things go wrong. And then if things just go okay, rarely do you say, wow, the punter had a great game. So continuing that trend of Dustin Colquitt not really being a story of this game, and I I think that is a step in the right direction. My first takeaway, since you took Townsend, that was going to be mine. So I'm going to say it was (laughs) Clyde Edwards-Erlair. And I think what was interesting about this game is everybody expected the Legion of Zoom to pick up right where they left off. They're going to be lighting up the scoreboard. Tyree Kill down the field. Travis Kelsey bouncing off your linebackers and safeties. Sammy Watkins maybe doing what he did in the playoffs in the regular season. We saw a bit of that, although none of the receivers reached 100 yards. But predominantly in this game, in surprising fashion, was a rush-heavy team. And I thought that this was for a few reasons. First of all, I think it was the idea of what the Chiefs had in front of them. Patrick Mahomes said after this football game that the defensive backs were playing back. The safeties were playing back. So what did they end up doing? They just took what was right in front of them. That's been a point of emphasis for Patrick Mahomes in the offseason is to make better decisions. I also think, and this is from yesterday, if you listen to Andy Reid, they're trying to throw this rookie into the fire a little bit. You got to get him started early. You got to say, you know, we don't want you to think here. I understand it's not LSU. It doesn't matter. It's still football. You're thrown into the fire. 25 carries after really doing not much, I think, in the offseason because of the coronavirus. So part of it was, how is he going to respond? Is he going to be ready for practice on Wednesday? And Reed spoke a little bit about that yesterday. And I, I think this generally too, John, It opens things up for the air game moving forward because now the Los Angeles Chargers look at this team and they say, well, we can't play all the way back. We can't keep our safeties that much back because Clyde's just going to run over us for what was 5.5 yards per carry. And so I think that that was the right thing to do. And now the Chiefs really have to be respected in both aspects of their game. And so to think, oh, the Legion of Zoom is over. This is a running team. I I think that is an exaggeration. And you know what? This is something that the Chiefs have needed for a while since Kareem Hunt, I think, that threat during the regular season that if you don't respect the run, you're going to be punished. I think you stated all that perfectly. Um, You know, I think we forget to, uh, to notice that Patrick Mahomes was just his normal self when he came out in his first season as a starter and was out there swinging for the fences all the time. And in his second season, he was learning how to take what was given to him and uh, just march the ball down the field when the safeties are back, as you mentioned. 
And now in his third season, we're seeing a continued progression there. And obviously, he can throw the ball deep. He did early in the game, completed the pass to Demarcus Robinson. It didn't work out that he carried through with the the catch and the Chiefs had to give up that touchdown. But, you know, it's not as if Mahomes didn't do his job there. Well, it's not like he can't throw deep when he needs to. So we're still going to see that. It's just not going to be the feature of the Chiefs offense. We're going to do Andy Reid takeaways in the second segment, but this fits too perfectly here. So I'm going to burn one right here. Here's Andy Reid talking about Patrick Mahomes and his decision-making on the fly. Uh, He did work on that. And I thought he did a nice job with that, managing the game and and still taking shots when when needed. And, um, you know, I thought he was accurate with the ball and I thought he just handled the the situation against a good defense. Uh, I thought he handled it well. So, um, and uh, that that to me showed showed some growth. Uh, and not that he hasn't been good at, but he he's he was even better uh, Thursday night. That was my question, John, and and it was my plan to wait for Mahomes sound for tomorrow, so I could write a story on this. And CBS Sports yesterday just tweets it out, and I'm sure somebody's <laughs> going to have it, at least some one of the USA Todays or one of the wires. I'm going to see it on today, no doubt about it. So uh, can't plan anything here for stories in 2020. But anyway, I, I digress. What was your second takeaway of Chiefs-Texans Thursday Night Football? Uh, another special teams thing, actually. Uh, I think I mentioned this to you, mentioned this to you on Monday after I would, had rewatched some of the game. Uh, after all the madness of Sunday taking care of the game uh, on arrowheadpride.com, I you know sometimes you don't see everything. And when I went back and rewatched the game, I was curious about that missed field goal at the end of the first half that the Texans had. You know what made Fairburn miss that kick? And I watched my DVR tape very carefully, uh, watched it frame by frame several times, and I'm pretty sure. The Tano Passignon got a hand on that, mm. uh, on that on that field goal. Um, he leapt over the line. I mean, his feet were over the backs of the Texans' offensive linemen, uh, landed on his feet, and was in Fairburn's face at the time of the kick. And it's not clear that he actually touched it, but he definitely was a distraction to the field goal kicker, and the result was a, a missed kick. And actually, a six-point swing, I'm pretty sure, because if the Texans had made that kick, they would have kicked off, um, moving the Chiefs back to probably around their 20, 25-yard line. He's perfectly capable of kicking touchbacks, just like Harrison Butker is. And the Chiefs would have taken over with a very small amount of time, uh, way back in their own, close to their own end zone. Instead, they get the ball in the 41, and thanks to a penalty, uh, an after-the-tackle penalty, I go, that was the horse-collar uh, mm-hmm. play, if I remember correctly, that got them well within field goal range. They might not have come back with a field goal at the end of the first half. That's a six-point swing from a really good special teams play from Tano Passignon. 6'7", 289, through the air. Good for Tano. I, and yeah. that's, a, that's a good note by you to, that he maybe tipped that ball. So... If you want to go back and watch, you can make the call for yourself. My next takeaway came on defense, not special teams. Two special teams takeaways from you. Dave Tobe would be very proud of you today, John. (laughs) He's my buddy. That's right. Defense. I was pleasantly surprised with two points. 
Man, I did not think LeJarrius Sneed was going to have the night he did. Yeah. Looked solid in his first ever NFL start. I think it goes to show how important speed is in today's NFL. If you are a fast cornerback in college, you may not need to have the greatest technique in the world or play for a Division One program. If you can stay with some of these receivers and have the infrastructure around you, you might be able to have some early success in the NFL. I think we saw that with LeJarrius Sneed. It's a win with the with the fact that he doesn't he didn't really get picked on. I, I thought that he might get picked on in this game, and he actually was a point of strength for the Chiefs, and that became all the more important when Charvarius Ward goes down with the fractured hand. Second point on defense, you forgot a little bit, I think, and you're playing such good teams in the playoffs. It might have been a little overlooked. How unfair Chris Jones and Frank Clark are together when they're healthy. And I, I think it becomes all the more clear when it isn't necessarily one of these final four teams where they were playing well toward the end of the playoffs last year, but there's so much going on and the teams are so good that I, I just don't think it was as noticeable. I know that Frank Clark had that sack streak in the, in the playoffs, but wow, you could tell that the Texans offensive line had trouble all game long. And if you get a bad offensive line, I don't care if your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith, Brody Croyle, that's going to be a tough game <laughs> to win because Deshaun Watson's one of the better quarterbacks in the league, and he was uncomfortable for the entire game. And, and I think it, it had to do with Chris Jones and, and Frank Clark and just Clark starting the season healthy, which we'd been worried about for a second. He had that illness thing. Uh, but they talked about being the best defensive line tandem in the league, and that was a really good start for me. I hadn't thought about it, but you're right. They didn't really pick on Sneed that much. But that could have been a certain amount of misdirection by the Chiefs, who mm-hmm. talked all week about, oh, gee, I don't know if uh, Sneed is ready yet. We're going to have to do some kind of mix and match thing back there, which, of course, they did. Uh, Sneed wasn't on the field for all the snaps, although he was he was up there among the snap count leaders on defense. But, um, yeah, I think the Chiefs sort of made the Texans think they were going to have to think about a fast guy in the secondary. So that might have had something to do with his success as well. But you make a good point, though. If you've got the speed and the infrastructure around you, and I think that's a great way to put it, when you've got Tyron Matthew back there uh, who can help out any kind of a cornerback, um, that gives you a lot of room to make mistakes when you're a rookie. And uh, the speed can, can make up for, for quite a bit of error if you're uh, in the NFL. You know, if you're a rookie, and this is just beside the point, you're almost better off not being a premium pick, like top 10, top 15. Because if you can go to these teams later in the rounds or, you know, to a better team, you're just in such a better position. I look at so many quarterbacks, like my Patrick Mahomes, he went to a playoff team as what would be a, a top pick because of the trade-up. And same thing with Snead. Like, if you're going to a better team with the infrastructure around you, you have such a better chance at success. I feel for some of these top defensive backs and top defensive players that go to these teams, and they're a little bit on an island. And Snead, mm-hmm. it was a fourth rounder. I know Kent <laughs> was calling it Snead Island already, which I thought was... <laughs> I don't always love Kent's puns, but I loved that one. And so, yeah, I, I think that's... A, the Chiefs really needed that boost, a, a team that has everything else going for it, seemingly. And to get that, I, I think it's just a cherry on top of this. Uh, run it back Sunday. 
Uh, let's let's continue on. I have a third one, and it's the idea of the NFL as a whole, not necessarily from this Chiefs-Texans game. I was impressed that the NFL has kind of gone off without a hitch. I, I know we have to mm-hmm. see what's going to happen with some of these coronavirus tests, but you looked at the success of both the NHL and NBA bubbles, and you saw the mess that happened with baseball at the beginning of the season with the Marlins. And it really, I think, had this feeling of, well, if there's no bubble, this is not going to work necessarily. And I think the NFL is proving that wrong with some of the leadership that they have. At least on paper right now, it doesn't seem like there was any kind of outbreak. We'll see if anything happens again with these tests that'll happen at the beginning of the week. I think this week will be key for tests. But you really haven't heard anything that's gone wrong yet. And I just think that was impressive. And for them to be able to at least get through the Sunday where it didn't really seem like any key players were lost to the virus, that is a, a win to me in itself. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you have to uh, appreciate what the NFL has done. They've taken approach an approach that the other professional sporting leagues, the experience of the other professional sporting leagues would suggest maybe isn't the right one and they've made it work and they've made it work through discipline um they've communicated to the teams look it's going to be up to you guys to make this thing work which means when you go home you're responsible that you stay home you don't go out drinking in bars and you don't do the things that are going to be make this difficult for us to pull off and i think they made that very clear at the team level uh, when the Seahawks cut that guy right. after he snuck a woman into the dorm, which in a lot of seasons would have been something they might have just winked at. Um, you know, players are young men. They're going to be doing stuff like that. And in any other season, we probably wouldn't care that much. But the Seahawks made it very clear. And I think that sent a message to other rookies in the league. Oh, they're taking this seriously. And I think that, as much as anything, has made the difference in making this thing work. It allows the players to be at home with their families or their girlfriends or, you know, whatever it is, and have some kind of a normal life, which is a thing that will help them as players. You have to wonder how being in a bubble has affected the outlook of these other professional sports players. So they've really kind of gotten the best of both worlds here and, and made it work so far, I'm like, as you're right. Uh, it may blow up in their faces here in the next week or two, but right now um, they're killing it. Yeah. I, I look at the Seahawks and it, granted it wasn't Quandre Diggs or Trey Flowers. It sure, was this yeah. fringe player, yeah. but it was perfect yeah. because you know what? It was a player that the Seahawks might've cut anyway. And it allowed the league to say, this is how serious we're taking this. And, and that might've been a, a grand weird, I, I guess you would say blessing in disguise for the NFL to, to point and say, this is, this is reality now, you know? All right. bad for that young man, of course. I mean, yes. you know, it, it's right. it, what a terrible thing to happen when your dream is right there in front of you. Because you're a romantic, John. I, I know what yeah, you mean. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. Right. So let's get into some Chiefs injuries. Um, here's what we got and, and know right now. Austin Ryder popped up on Monday. Sounds like there is some knee soreness there. Did not sound too serious, at least yet. Uh, again, you never know when you're hearing these things in press conferences. The NFL has to report these injuries, so we should have more clarity on ArrowheadPride.com on Wednesday. 
if he's limited in practice, that to me is alarming. And then you say, okay, will you have to use a veteran like Daniel Kilgore? Will you maybe turn to Nick Allegretti, that second year, seventh rounder from last year who had shown uh, progress? Charverius Ward was confirmed by Andy Reid to have had some work done. That means that he obviously had his fractured hand fixed in some capacity. The notion that we're getting both from the national and team level is that Ward is going to try to play through this thing. Now, I caution people to think that that will necessarily be this weekend. I remember when Kendall Fuller had a hand issue. They did the same thing, but there were a number of buffer games where they, they want to get it into a place where it's not painful for the player. Sounds like it's going to be a game time decision against the Chargers. Not to disrespect the Chargers, but this is highly disrespectful. I wouldn't rush him back against Tyrod Taylor. I, I just wouldn't. <laughs> and, and, and that's just me. You know, I, I'd rather have him for the rest of the season. You have Patrick Mahomes versus Taylor with this offense. Unnecessary to rush him back if he's feeling pain. And then you re-injure and you lose him for longer. You need Charvarius Ward, especially for those next two games. So for right. me, right. rest him. Also thought it was interesting, Juan Thornhill was indeed on a snap count. I had been wondering this in, in early in the week, and it's this case where you want to ask Steve Spagnuolo multiple questions, but we live in the Zoom world right now where you really can only get one out. A Thornhill snap count isn't really telling me a ton about the game, so I, I put it on the back burner. It was never asked, but he was. 38 of 59 defensive snaps against the Texans uh, on... Thursday night. And I think that's the right decision. I, I don't I don't know if you want to necessarily rush someone back from a torn ACL. Andy Reid said he wanted to play more, which you have to love. I know that I'm sure Tyron Matthew really enjoyed the fact that Thornhill was mad that they, they were taking him out. So I, I think that's a, a sign in, in, in a positive direction. And then the other two injuries that are just coming along, we got the general coming along, were Colin Saunders, who dislocated his elbow and said he wants to be back soon. And then Alex Okafor was the least serious injury. He said he strained his hamstring, but John, they have Tano Passanio there. So those are your injury updates. The grand takeaway there is, is it doesn't seem like anything is, is super long-term for an, any of these guys. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about um, uh, Colin Saunders because you know, that could go a lot of different ways. That could be end up being a pretty serious injury. The good news is that uh, apparently there's no lig ligament damage. At least that was the initial take from the team, uh, which would make it, put it on the, the, the bad end of the range of outcomes. So he could be back pretty quickly. Uh, and we'd like to see him on the field. He's a promising young player, and uh, we we need to have him in there as, if we can. I agree with you. I think Ward will be back pretty quickly. And I also agree that uh, the San Diego game is not the time to do it. We're going to need him worse, a lot worse, the next couple of games after that. Um, and I don't know about Austin Ryder. At least they have uh, Daniel Kilgore, uh, a veteran, standing in to back up. So, uh, hopefully, if he has to miss some time, it won't be uh, too much of an impact on the team. I think it'll be a case where you'll have Kilgore taking snaps with Mahomes this week. Um, mm -hmm. Again, Wednesday's injury report will be telling. Sure. Uh, it's, it's not a thing where I think you want to take a chance with the center. So maybe they just give Ryder the week. We'll see. Goes into this Chargers game, which is coming up on Sunday. I thought nine and a half points for the spread of the Texans going into it was too low. 
Uh, the Texans really lost this game by more than 14. There were some garbage points right. that you would consider oh, yeah. at the end. Yeah. Uh, they were still co- able to cover the spread. I, I pulled this thing up yesterday, and the Chargers, who nearly lost to the Cincinnati Bengals after the stretch that they have had. Now, I granted, I understand Joe Burrow is, is a different story. But they're eight and a half point underdogs. Eight and a half is a lot of points in the NFL, but there are no fans. Not to say that Los Angeles is necessarily an advantage for the Chargers anyway, but there's no advantage that would go in with home field. You have Taylor versus Mahomes. You have the leading rusher now in the National Football League, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who will be building off of that game. I don't get eight and a half points. I don't know if you want to take your gambling advice from me, but you betters out there, go and get the piggy bank. Crack that thing open and double up. What are we doing here? Eight and a half points, John? Do you, what do you think about that? Oh, I don't know. I'm a little concerned about this game because the Chiefs had a, an opening game that was somewhat close to normal, as much as you can get in the NFL in 2020. And now they're going to be going into a place where um, – it's going to be an entirely new experience to them. And the Chargers at least have had some experience with that quiet environment. And Andrew, Andy Reid talked about it yesterday about the acoustics in that room. And I mean, they've, they're apparently paying attention to that now in their game planning is what that, that, uh, that building sounds like. Um, so I, I'm a little, I'm a little worried about uh, being overly confident about going in there and wiping the floor with the Chargers. I mean, that is what we should expect, of course, based on the history. But there are circumstances here that concern me a little bit. So, I, 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 yeah, I don't know about the point spread, but not for the same reasons that you do. No Derwin James. I, forget the yeah, Chargers. I this is, I know. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. Mahomes versus Taylor. Come on. Yeah. Eight and a half. <laughs> that's two scores. You win by 10. That's covered. I... I I don't know. You know Maybe how I'm, I am. It's a division game. Look, me a division game. Anything can happen. You you hang on to your piggy bank. Yeah, I'll, I will. <laughs> I will take you out to dinner. How about that? <laughs> when we come back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, we'll get into final two takeaways from Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. It's our Tuesday, September fifteenth show. The Chiefs. 1-0 after defeating the Houston Texans 34-20. to Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. Continuing on now with Andy Reid and some of the takeaways. We played that sound for you of Reid talking about Mahomes and his progress with making adjustments on the fly, taking what's in front of him, so on and so forth. I want to discuss Reed's point here on an offensive lineman, an acquisition that they made in the offseason, Kalechi Osemele, who now plays left guard for your Kansas City Chiefs. Larry was a little bit that way too, and and Wiley's got some of that in him too. So, um, but it's good to add it. It's, it's good to be able to put another guy in there with his experience, I think, and and his attitude about playing. I mean, he he plays and he plays aggressive, and and you have to love that. Um, I'm not saying we haven't had it before, but what what an addition, you know, to be able to put it in there. And and I think his um, you know thing that's followed him throughout his his career has been, you know, you play against them, you better strap it on because he's going to bring it to you every down and it's going to be aggressive and, and he's going to do it to the whistle and that whole thing. So I, um, I, I appreciate that. I think you, you've got to have that up front. And, 
you know, it's a good tempo setter. Our lab guys have highlighted Semele as potentially the, the best acquisition of the offseason for Brett Veach uh, when it comes to the free agency market. And I remember when he first came to the Chiefs, what stood out is he really respected Mitch Schwartz and Eric Fisher for the technique they bring to the game. But he felt he could bring this aggression and this power running style. And they really needed that with Laurent Duvenet-Tardif out, opting out for the season. Of course, it's a mirrored because you switch him to the left guard position, but you could really see the Chiefs offensive line, especially in the run game, having their way a little bit. And I wonder if Osemele got on Schwartz, said, hey, Mitch, get out of the kitsch. Eric Fisher, let's go here and said, okay, we're going to boss some people up this season. And, and the 138 yards is a testament not only to Clyde, but also this offensive line. It's amazing to me that Osemele was even available. Uh, I mean, we know it was because of the injury, and there's always uncertainty about that. He's not going to be uh, a guy uh, who's going to be first up in the free agent market. But that said, it's really surprising to me that he was available at the point he was. And, um, you know, good on the Chiefs for recognizing that they had the opportunity to get a player like that, uh, one who so far has has worked out extremely well. I really like what I've seen from this guy. Um, he really is bossing people around on the field. I think that's exactly right. You know, he had that weird thing with the Jets where the Jets didn't think he needed surgery. Yeah. He, he and his agent thought he did. It seemed like they weirdly didn't want to pay for it. I it, it just seems like it's a good lesson to remember that the team isn't always right. I think yeah. more now than ever, hear the whole story. It, it really seems like this was a situation where the New York Jets were, were very incorrect. He needed this surgery. There was a little bit of scare for the Chiefs. I think he had a shoulder issue during training camp, but looks to be fine, rolling along, really like the addition. And he has talked already about, I know it's a one-year deal. He wants to finish his career in Kansas City. I believe the young man is, is 31. So uh, good for him uh, and good for the Chiefs to, to as you said, pull, pull that off. All right. Other thing I wanted to note from Andy Reid, and I just thought this was interesting for a logistics standpoint, is they're slightly changing their schedule. When when Andy Reid changes his 20-year routine, to me, that's notable. So the Chiefs will be flying out a little bit later on Saturday as they head to L.A. You can't leave the hotel. So we'll stay, you know, we'll stay, we'll leave a little bit later, uh, get to the hotel a little bit later, and then um, we, we won't have the individual meetings that we normally have out there. Um, but we'll be able to knock out our team meeting and then uh, – uh, grab a bite to eat and get on with the evening. So we'll spend a little bit more time here uh, with our morning meetings and get those done. I think this is a little bit more notable than it, than he made it sound. I think it's really smart because you forget the players are human, right? So you're going to the, the city later. And so there's no opportunity or temptation for anyone with the organization or the team or whatever to want to go out anywhere in LA, right? Or explore or do anything. No, no, no. We're going to arrive in LA. It's basically going to be like Kansas City because we're going to go to the hotel, we're going to go to bed, and then we're getting back on the plane after the game. There's none of this debate. No, it's too late to do anything. So really smart and shrewd, I think, by Andy Reid to plan it that way. And you're right. This is very unusual for Reid to make any kind of a change to his routine. So it's something that we need to talk about when we see it because he is such a creature of habit. Right. I think that people don't really appreciate um, how much of a creature of habit that he is. So, yeah, this is definitely noteworthy. But, but you know, 
it's hard for us creatures of habit, and I'm one of them myself, to make a change. And so you have to respect that, that Reed has the ability to see, yeah, this is a place I need to make a change, because not everybody would. Some people would just say, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and do what we normally do, and you know, we'll figure it out. Well, no, Reed's figuring out the way to get the best advantage from it, and you have to credit him for that. Yeah, that's the best part of Andy Reed is he is, I think, a product of his routine and he realizes I want to keep things pretty much the same each and every year. And he's had success because of that. But there also is that outlier situation where he is always willing to evaluate and say, "Will, will this be best? And I know it's something small like the travel itinerary, but eventually he said, okay, this will probably be the best way to go about this thing, the best chance to give us to, to win this football game. So you respect that he's also willing to change knowing how much he believes in his routine. Mm. Again, there's not a lot of routine guys in the NFL who ever want to shake it. And I think that's why you see so much turnover in the NFL because there is a lack of adapting as time goes on and different situations change. The best thing about Reed is, I mean, it was so uncertain during the offseason for coronavirus. And he talked about how we have plan B, C, D, E. <laughs> he had so yeah. many contingency plans says, okay, we're going to control what we can control. We're ready for anything. And that, I think, goes into the idea of Reed and, and back to that routine. Yeah, it'll be routine until we need to change that routine. Right. And, you know, you can carry this argument in all kinds of different directions. You know, when Bob Sutton was the defensive coordinator and people thought he overstayed his welcome, uh, people like to say, oh, it's because Reed and Bob Sutton are old friends and he's loyal to his friends. He's too loyal to his friends. But, you know, there really wasn't much evidence that those guys really knew each other before Sutton became the defensive coordinator. And in the end, some of it was Andy Reed just wanting to keep things the same. Right. Um, you know, we've had a successful team. We've made the we've made the playoffs in all these years, and um, you know, yes, things have 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 gone downhill, have trended downward in the defense. But I'm not going to change things unless I have to. And I think that was part of what went on with keeping Sutton around. Not that they were buddies, but because Reed likes to once he's got it the way he wants it, he wants to keep it that way until he has to change it. And then the moment came when he had to change it, and he did. Speaking of Andy Reid and making a change, he's going to have to with uh, that face mask he was wearing <laughs> last Thursday, which was, was not the answer. Andy Reid talking about the fog on the mask after the game. It, that was brutal. Yeah, I didn't do very good with that thing. But it, listen, it, it, it'll be better the next time. So uh, I appreciate you asking that, though. It was a bit of a mess, but we'll get it fixed, fixed up. This was a problem across the league with coaches wearing their masks. I mean, you felt bad for Andy Reid because I think he really was trying to follow the rules of the NFL. He couldn't see. He couldn't Mm -hmm. see out of the thing. And the fact that they were able to beat the Texans by two touchdowns, given the fact that Andy Reid couldn't see his marvelous uh, play sheet, uh, I thought was impressive in itself. But uh, John, the, the NFL is cracking down on making sure that these coaches wear their masks. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the initial response to something like this is, why do they need to be wearing masks on the sidelines? These people have all been tested. Everybody on the sidelines has been approved to get through. They're not infected. Why do they need to wear face masks? Well, 
you know, part of it is that the league wants to send an example to its players uh, and to the rest of the country. You know, we're, this is what we're doing. We're doing this the right way so that we can play a season for you. And I think that part of that is messaging from the NFL. But as far as whether or not coaches and players should do this when the sidelines, I mean, Patrick Mahomes was wearing a mask when he was on the sidelines during the game on Thursday night. There's several pictures of him wearing a mask when he's just standing on the sidelines while the defense is on the field. The main thing here is that this is the rule. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you think it makes sense or not is not important. It's just like the inflation level of footballs. This is a rule in the NFL, and coaches or players are expected to follow it. And what the NFL has done, as I pointed out this morning on ArrowheadPride.com, is that the NFL has said, this is a rule. You're going to have to follow it, or there's going to be consequences. So here we go. Right, yeah. And, and I think you'll see coaches across the league doing better this, sure. this weekend. I. I got to imagine we see Andy Reid in something over his nose as opposed to the, what is it, the scientist welder type <laughs> mask that he was wearing on Thursday night. I, I don't think he wants to necessarily take a chance with the fog again, especially not at Arrowhead Stadium. Maybe it's different during the, a day game. Looked like it was the perfect weather where that was not going to work on Thursday night at Arrowhead Stadium. So, Well, there are ways to fix that. I mean, I haven't done it, but I believe there are ways to keep your glasses. What do you think? Do you, do you think you like wipers? Get some, get some car wipers on them? Well, no, I think you can. There's various things you can put on a face shield to keep mm. it from fogging up. I Wax. mean, medical professionals wear these things all the time, right. all day long, in all kinds of environments, and they know how to do it. I imagine a Google search. I'm sure a, wow. a coaching assistant has been assigned Ooh, to look it look up at on John Google. slapping Andy Reid in the face. Doesn't know about <laughs> Google. <laughs> wow. Well, somebody does, but I'm sure they're trying to figure that out. And I'm and they're probably running tests in different environments to see how they can make it work. Because I think Andy likes that mask. That's my impression of it. So we'll we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they do. One thing I did see on Hard Knocks, and this was from Sean McVay of the Los Angeles Rams. Congrats to the Rams on that great win over the Cowboys. The face mask that Reed and him were wearing, it allows the players to see your facial expressions. And these guys Mm -hmm. are just the ultimate teachers. And I think McVay's point was there's so much communication that happens non-verbally where you, you want to be able to see how the players are re- reacting and responding to your instruction. You want to be able to express different things. And, and sometimes the gravity gets a little bit deeper if you're making a certain face as you're saying something. It's easier to joke or not joke when mm-hmm. you can see the face, you know? So it's tough for these guys. I mean, we just talked about routines for 15 minutes. Like, this is really different for guys that built their careers on doing the same thing every year. So you can kind of understand where there's been, I don't know if I want to say rule breaking, but just some miscommunications as to the right way to go about this. And I I think it is adjusted and fixed this weekend. All right. We talked about everything we need to talk about here on the the first Arrowhead Pride Editor Show of the week. Uh, Here's what's going on. Uh, It's Chiefs and Chargers week now. So we... We'll have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes talking on Wednesday. Uh, the coordinators speak on Thursday. We're also getting assistant coaches this week. So some deeper insight, I think, from the assistant coaches. Friday is, is of course, Andy Reid. 
We'll have you with another Arrowhead Pride editor show on Thursday. The lab guys will take over for the preview on Friday. We'll be posting from the podium so you can hear from all your Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com as we will have Chiefs news and notes throughout the week. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, the day of, I want to talk about quickly 15 and the Mahomies is sending us another picture. They did the same thing on Monday. They're sending us another one on Tuesday. If you go about donating and use the hashtag AP with your last name, you can get a Super Bowl picture, autographed picture of Patrick Mahomes Tuesday only. So make sure you go online and do that if you're interested in that. John Dixon, his Twitter handle is Arrowhead Headphones. I'm at PG Sweet. Of course, follow at Arrowhead Pride. Thank you very much for joining us on this edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.